Hello everybody, this is Jill Garvin, Director of Psychological Health for the 102nd Intelligence Wing. Welcome to our podcast where we are discussing different wellness topics. If you would ever like to come on and be on the podcast, please contact me. I am in the global. Um, Today, our topic is on grief. And I have Senior Master Sergeant Don Kochka, who's been with the 102nd for about 30 years. Um, I'm going to call him Don. I have actually been working with Don for uh, almost a year now for some supportive counseling. He's given me permission to say that. Hi, Don. Hi, Joe. Um, one of the reasons I, I asked Don to be here today is because he, um, well, he's an incredible person, and he is very, very open with his, um, about his grief and about sharing his story, and I am going to let him talk right now and, um, and to talk about his loss. Thanks, Jill. Uh, so why don't we go back to 26 November of 2018, which was the day before the event. The 26th was the celebration of my wife Deborah and I's 30th uh, wedding anniversary, uh, which, uh, like most relationships, are ups and downs, but I can honestly say that it truly was 30 years of great marriage. The next morning, the 27th, woke up like any other day, got up for work, kissed Deborah goodbye for the day. Later in the day, around 9 o'clock, she had called me and we uh, had a conversation of taskers that we were working on um, and ended like like normal, love you, see you later. Uh, I normally work till 4.30, so got off. And my normal routine is to call Deborah on my way home to check in, make sure there isn't any other taskers or things that I I need to do on the way home. Didn't get a response. Not very unlike Deborah. Deborah's always going in a million directions and accomplishing all kinds of things. So called again about 10, 15 minutes later. Still no answer. Slight hesitation, but... I'm still thinking that, you know, Deborah's just busy. So pull up in front of the driveway, and I notice that our Honda Pilot is mostly in the garage, and it looked like something was on top of the vehicle. And I'm thinking, oh, geez, what did Deborah bring home now as another project that that she and I are going to work on? So I park the vehicle, and as I'm walking around, I realize that it's not something she brought home, it was the garage door on top of the vehicle, and the vehicle had penetrated and gone through the garage door. As I'm trying to process, as I'm running up, the vehicle is running, trying to find out if anybody's inside. I look through the passenger window because the vehicle was pushed mostly over to the left side of the garage. Couldn't see anything, run around the back, I look up uh, the driver's side of the vehicle and I notice two legs sticking out from the 
driver's door, trailing back alongside the vehicle, realizing that she's trapped, she's pinned. I come around and go through the passenger door to try to get to her. Um, she's very still. I start panicking, realizing I cannot get her out of this situation. If I try to move the vehicle, I potentially could do more harm. So immediately call 911, start talking to the 911 operator, ran over to my neighbors who were home, yelled into their house. They were in the back part of the house, uh, so they didn't show up. So I ran back trying to assess, is there something I can do? Uh, and then rescue showed up and they were able to extricate Deborah out of the vehicle and start performing life-saving measures, uh, of which upon which we were uh, rushed up to the hospital. And um, my oldest daughter was able to make it to the hospital and the doctor came in and obviously gave us the bad news that Deborah had passed. So it was a, uh, definitely a great shock. And as we're running through scenarios in our head, um, shock is setting in. Uh, wow, I mean, I, I can't imagine, I can't imagine what you went through in that moment and what you're still going through. Um, it, you and I have talked a lot about you know, kind of the stages of grief, you know, there's, um, there's different theories, there's different, yeah, there are different theories on, on the stages of grief. Uh, originally, Elizabeth Cooper Ross c came up with the um, shock, denial, bargaining, guilt, depression, acceptance, which actually was for um, newly diagnosed cancer patients. And but very universal in terms of, of when we're dealing with grief, some of the different emotions that we go through, and, and certainly not in any kind of neat order. What would you say, I mean, yeah, just what are some of the different emotions that you've gone through since then? Well, using those stages of grief as a baseline, and you could add levels of detail up and down yeah. on those specific, but um, I'd say that I have visited them all, not in any order, and I have revisited them again. The only one that I probably did not visit is denial, and only because uh, I, I used to be an EMT, so I have a little bit of background. Uh, so I, I made an assessment when I arrived on scene. Uh, so I was there. I was there when the doctor pronounced. So out of all the stages of grief, that, that definitely didn't enter my mind. And um, um, I revisit the accident every day. Uh, there still is a, a not 100% certainty of how the accident happened. So I'm a math and data guy. and. I can't figure out the math and data. So uh, anger was one of the, um, uh, the emotions, and, and the anger was revolved around the car because I didn't know if it was a defect on the car that actually caused the accident or if it was something else. So 
I had a uh, private forensic guy look at the vehicle um, because I was mad at the car. Um, definitely uh, depression, uh, and, and, and that has gone up and down uh, based on any given day. And how do you take, with all of these different roller coaster of emotions, and I've been with you through some of these, how... How have you managed them? What has been helpful? And I want to ask what hasn't been helpful and what has been helpful, but how have you managed these emotions throughout this last year? Um, some of the successes are, are, first of all, asking for help. Um, it, was, it was something I knew I couldn't do alone. Uh, I have been a supervisor and manager, and I profess to seek and use all the resources available. And I'd be remiss if I didn't use them myself. And it's not that is not the reason I'm doing because I think that asking for help is is beneficial. And I have got a lot out of uh, all of our sessions. Uh, I think we've come to some conclusions. Uh, we've come up with some courses of actions that work for me. Uh, and then also uh, I have shared with family and friends and, and has worked for them as well. Um, the first six months uh, were really tough, so I was eating a lot of comfort food. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, so, that, so that definitely wasn't a good thing because I was gaining in weight. Um, I was um, uh, drinking a few IPAs uh, to, to um, self-medicate, uh, and I realized that that wasn't good as well. So uh, with all that, I, I reached out and, and went on a diet program controlled by a doctor so that I could reset and try to move back to a positive direction. Uh, to me, it's all about balance, and, and I was not balanced. I was off my center still off my center trying to find my way back. Uh, we are 20 days out f from uh, almost one year, and I think about it every day. Yeah. Um, I wanted to, to ask you... Um, So I think one of the things that really amazes me about you in the time that I've known you is, is your ability to ask for help. We've talked a lot about that. You know, one of the things that we, we really encourage here at the 102nd and, and we really try to, to work on here as a team is um, encouraging people to ask for help and reducing stigma and... Um, increasing uh, connectedness and, and belonging and uh, I think we're definitely improving but you really are such a, a role model for that because you have you, you will openly cry you will um, ask for help when you need it you have great social support and connections and and not to sound um, 
sometimes it's harder for men, right? And 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 Agreed. and again, not not to generalize, but and in the military, and you've been in the military for a while. So where where did you learn to do this? I grew up in the sixties and seventies, probably from your average family. So that stereotypical male role model was my father. That you know. You, men don't cry, right? Um, hide all your emotions. Um, uh, I, I've always been a, a big reader, so I've, I've read a lot um, of, of different topics, uh, nonfiction, fiction. Um, and I would say that most of it is probably from the 30 years of marriage uh, to Deborah. Um, we had a our eldest daughter suffered from uh, mental health at, at seven uh, and is still um, seeking counseling to this day. So we would do more research and talk to more people, which put us in a lot of different settings, uh, so asking for help. So it just became commonplace, uh, and, and it, it's something that we've instilled in, in our two daughters uh, that that if there's a problem, ask for help. If your friends have a problem, either reach out to us or reach out to somebody else. So pu- pushing it down, that old old school mentality of, uh, you know, men don't cry and they should hide their emotions uh, is, is not winning any wars. Um, generally, it shows a, a definite health uh, detriment, and um, um, I'm a big proponent about reaching out. Yeah, and... I've seen over this last year how you live your life. Um, I know that you you don't isolate. You have a lot of support here at work, people that, that care about you, that came out to the house um, after Deborah died and have stayed connected with you, that check on you. You have great friendships. You and you and Deborah had great have great friendships. Um you go places, you've taken trips, you do things with, with your daughters. Um, I know another example is you and Deb had some projects <laughs> that, you, that you have been working on at the house and you wanted to, to honor those things for her and, and you continue to work on those things. And so, because I always say to people, especially that deal with, with depression, Often people will say that they are feeling hopeless and they don't experience joy. Uh, they don't enjoy the things that they used to enjoy and they, and they tend to isolate. And so I always ask that question, how many supports do you have? And, and a good number is around, you know, six or seven. And that could be, you know, I have a best friend, I go to the gym, uh, I have uh, a therapist, you know, just looking for six or seven different ways that you connect. And... You have way more than that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, 30, 40, yes. 50 um, active members reaching out to yeah. me all the time. Um, and it makes a huge difference. It, it does. Um, Post-event, um, the love and support from this wing alone has been tremendous. And uh, right after the, the event, I reached out to my deputy group commander and told him, please tell everyone 
if they want to reach out, please do. Because I know so many people are in the wing that care for me and would like to express uh, their condolences and check in. And I didn't want to uh, push anybody away and give them the opportunity. And as soon as I did that, obviously, an influx of texts and calls, and which were very much appreciated. And to this day, I have people checking in on me. You know, if I, I may be just tired for that afternoon and, and one of my coworkers will check in, hey, you okay? And, yeah. and I appreciate that because it, it could be one of those days where, where I'm a little emotional. Um, and, and those happen every day. I have been emotional every single day for almost a year. And I don't know when that will stop. Um, not that I'm trying uh, to make it stop. Uh, because 30 years of wonderful marriage, she definitely was worth it. Um, but it's everybody is on a journey, um, but it doesn't have to be alone, and that would be the part about asking for help. I had somebody that came by my office this morning that was looking for someone else, and they said, uh, hey, you know the year's coming up for Dawn. And I said, yeah. She said, okay, just just... Just make sure you're checking on them. I said, okay. <laughs> you know, so, yes, there are a lot of people that, um, that certainly care about you. I was also <clears throat> going back a little, um, what you were saying before. I know that you, you and Deborah had a, a really right marriage. Um, you had a lot of respect for her. You had a lot of respect for each other. Um, and I guess I, I want to say for other people that, that have had losses, uh, sometimes we have losses. We've had losses uh, when, when our relationships aren't so great with people. And that can make grief a little bit more complicated. Grief is complicated anyway, and it's very different for everyone. Agreed. I want to say that. But it, it, can, it can make it a lot more complicated if you're estranged from someone, if you have a lot of unfinished business with someone. It, you know, it could be a parent, it could be a partner, it could be a child. And so, you know, I always encourage people to to not judge their grief and to not compare their grief to what they think it should look like or, or how someone else is grieving, but, um, but that can make it more complicated, the more complicated the relationship was. And so I'm sure in a lot of ways, um, I know you have, I know you have a lot of gratitude for the relationship that you that you had and and the anniversary that you you had just shared with Deb. A absolutely, um, and that's what I hold on to the, the the fact that I got thirty years of marriage and the amount of things that we did and the places we went and the things that uh, we exposed our children to that are all fantastic memories, yeah. um, and and. Um, I never asked why, I, you know, looking up to, you know, why her? Um, 
that's that's not me to figure out. It was you always the say, how. You never say why me. Correct. No, no, it's not my. It's just not my belief system. Yeah. Um, if you believe that everything happens for a reason, then it happened for a reason. You know, um, I, I like to tell people that, uh, you know, Deborah used to do great things here on Earth, and um, um, she fulfilled all those commitments, and she just got called up to play to a bigger room so uh, mm. so that she could do more great things. Um, so, um, yeah. uh, your daughters. Uh, you mentioned you have two daughters. <coughs> and I do. And I was also thinking about how you know, grieving as a husband, but but also grieving, grieving for them having lost their mother. What what has that been like for you and for them? Both my daughters will say that they were very lucky as well. So both my daughters were best friends with their mother, which is not always the case. Uh, they had a great relationship, and uh, one of the things we taught the girls early on is is to communicate and uh, the girls would tell us everything to the point where maybe there'd be too much detail but they would they would come to us with things so um, so that was that was a source that they didn't have anymore uh, so it's brought the three of us closer together um, they're they're 24 and 26 and uh, uh, they, they have moments uh, where they struggle as well. Uh, my oldest daughter uh, probably copes better because she's the one that had mental health since she was seven and has been counseled since she was seven, probably has more coping mechanisms. So the one that we thought we better watch out for is actually watching out for my youngest daughter and myself. So uh, a, a turn of events. Um, yeah. What would you say has been the most helpful over over this last year for you? Uh, reaching out for help and not isolating myself, still going to all those events. And there have been a couple events that, that I haven't gone to, but I have I've, I've done a lot of traveling um, both uh, out of the country, uh, on vacations or out of the state uh, to visit uh, cousins or friends um, or just going to barbecues um, because even though it was my spouse that passed, Deborah was so well connected that I'd be remiss to think that I was the only one that was grieving. So all those friends mm -hmm. that she shared with were grieving as well. So it was an opportunity to meet with them, one, so that they could check to see how I was doing, and then vice versa, to see how they were doing, how they were handling that grief for the loss of, uh, of, a, of a true friend. Yeah. So what hasn't been helpful around your grief? Like, uh, people's responses, things that people have said, those kind of things. 
Well, we talked this probably the, it was either the first or second day that you come to my house and you had given me a, a list of things that even though people mean well, grief is so personal that most people don't know what to say or they avoid you because they, they, they just feel uncomfortable because they, they, they don't want to uh, make you feel uncomfortable. But uh, there are certain things where people will say, oh, she's in a better place. Well, uh, uh, that, that, that she may be, but that obviously uh, doesn't yeah. help the person that is grieving. I'd rather her be here. Correct. Correct. Uh, I had, uh, it was the day of the service, and I had one of Deborah's cousins, uh, who was a single guy, who he doesn't express himself very well. Um, I finally cornered him, and uh, he's like, well, just just think, uh, uh, you'll be able to try bachelorhood again. Uh, so, was like, oh, wow. oh, okay. Um, but knowing the person... And I've heard all these different comments for almost a year, and it's generally somebody that they mean well. They just don't have the right words to say. Mm-hmm. And saying nothing is okay. Just saying, hey, you're going to be all right. I'm here for you. It, it is okay. Yeah, and, and also... You know, after someone dies, people, especially right after the funeral, you know, people are very supportive and and they're there. But but usually families need someone after some time has passed, you know, because everyone kind of goes back, goes back to work, goes back to to kind of their normal lives. And um, and and again, you've been lucky that you've had that sustained support. But I also want to remind people that if you do know someone that, that's grieving, especially like you, you have this year anniversary coming up, a lot of firsts, you know, holidays, it is really important to remember and, and to reach out to those that, that, are, that are grieving, uh, even, even though time has passed. I think another cliche, and, and we did talk about this, you know, people will say, you know, it's, it's been a year you, know, you, you should start to move on, uh, or don't you think it's time to get over it? And I always tell people, and, and this is a conservative number, especially if you've had a significant, which you had, and a traumatic, which you've had, loss, you know, it takes a good couple of years to just, um, for some of the shock to wear off. Now, I, I know you realize what happened, and, and you're not in denial about that, but just for the actual realization and for some of that shock to wear, wear off really takes a lot of time and, and things never go back to normal. You know, you create this new normal for yourself and you never get over it. You, you learn how to, you learn how to get through it. You learn how to navigate, you know, through your grief. You learn how to to ride the, the waves of grief, but it's certainly um, not anything that, that you ever get over. And again, people, people mean well, but um, some of those things can be really hurtful to the person and can really minimize their grief, and they have to be very careful. And, and you and I, again, have talked about 
you're coming up on on a year and we've had these discussions around your intensity level you know sometimes you know I hate to sound like a therapist but we'll use numbers you know on a scale of you know one to ten you know some days some weeks you're a six some days some weeks you're you're an eight uh ten being you know the most intense and you know five years from now you you could you could still experience those eight and tens and then have some years where they're not as intense. You know, it's just, it's always, always changing. And and you did say earlier that, you know, how your mind works, you like to kind of fix things and, and figure it out. And grief has got to be frustrating for you sometimes because it it's so messy and there's just no straight line. Absolutely. Um it, it, it is messy, and every day is different. Mm. Um, probably the biggest thing that I feel is lonely, but not lonely as in I don't have people around me because I have a tremendous support network from within the wing and outside the wing, but it's that specific loneliness for Deborah. The fact that I can't call her, she won't be at home when I come home. So that throwing you off center, what is the new normal? How do we do things? Those celebrations, those traditions that you had as a family unit, now minus a human, and you gotta figure out what that new tradition is or starting um, new traditions with a different group. Um, so it, it is messy. Uh, grief is uh, it's cultural, it's religious, um, uh, it's, it's upbringing, it's the, uh, the, some of the male stereotypes. So it's trying to break those barriers and figure out what works for you. Yeah. Have you ever thought of suicide? No. Not for this event, not for any event. I can't say where I got that ability. I don't think I'm better than anyone else, but it's just never something that's entered my mind. I enjoy life, I enjoy people, I enjoy everything that I can do and, and, and things that I have yet to do. So. Um, that's not something that's that's entered my mind. However, if if it is something, I I can only suggest that that ask for help. Yeah. What what would be as again as an early griever, what would be advice that you would you would give someone right now that's going through grief? Um, uh, reach out and, and uh, reach out to, um, to, to our DPH, reach out to um, another therapist, reach out to a friend, but um, find somebody that shares your values that you can talk to that, that is not going to judge you, that is going to be supportive. So one of the things that I 
did, which was probably outside my character, was I went and saw a medium. Mm-hmm. Something very different. Uh, my oldest daughter was like, uh, you, you're, I, why are you doing this? This Who is something you, very Dad? different. Yes. Uh, and in a medium obviously is is for that ability to speak to, 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 to spirits in the afterlife. So I didn't go there for the conversation. I went there for love and comfort. I went there to potentially find some peace regarding uh, the car. Um, and, and I achieved that. And, and for me, it was a very positive experience. I don't uh, suggest that, that that's for everyone, but if it's ever something you're thinking of, um, it, it's an option like anything else. That's another great example of how different things work for different people. That brought you love and comfort. It, it did. And I, I saw you after you did that, and it really gave you some peace of mind. So... Yeah, I you know I, I would suggest to to folks to just to be open to to try something you've never thought of to explore it and you're even trying yoga with your daughter which uh. is amazing <laughs> you know that that takes care of your your mind spirit and body as well and sometimes getting out of your comfort zone and trying different things uh, can can really help you in your grief. What is your, I know you have a lot of wonderful memories of Deborah, but what would you say is one of your favorite memories of her? What do you miss the most, or one of the things you miss the most? Um, generally, everyone has a pet name for their significant other, and from day one, I've always called her Sunshine. She's always been that bright light, that shining star in my life, and it's that it's that brightness, and not just her smile, but her her the the way her brain works, and um, she was the true connector in our relationship. Um, she she had a standing order of a phone call with a childhood friend from when she was ten that they would talk every single day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so those are the things that I miss. I miss th- that beautiful kindred spirit um, who loved life just as much as I did and I got to share that she was such a teacher wasn't she yes absolutely yeah so um, I know that you said before we talked that you would be open to if if anyone wanted to contact you absolutely Uh, at any time um, anywhere uh, reach out uh, I'd be more than happy to meet anybody anywhere and have a conversation um, uh, to help uh, in any way that I can. Yeah, again, Don Kochka, he's, he's in the global. You can also contact me if you, if you wanted to get in touch with him. Again, different things work for, for, for everyone, and sometimes therapy is helpful, uh, but really one of the most powerful things that you can do is to work with someone or to talk with someone that can 
really truly identify with what you're going through that's been there themselves. Uh, so I, I encourage you to, to reach out to Dawn. Uh, there are other resources, you know, you can uh, reach out to, there's always a local hospice. It doesn't have to be a death from cancer. Hospice will, will work with all types of grief. There are children's uh, camps. There's equine uh, therapy for grief. You can also contact Given Hour, Military One Source. Again, I have a ton of resources and I'm more than, than happy to pass those on to you. There are some therapists on the Cape and off the Cape as well that, that do specialize in grief counseling. And I'm happy to email you some resources that I have as well, how to talk to your children about grief. Uh, some literature that will kind of, uh, earlier in, in my social work career, I, I worked in the field of grief around sudden loss, sudden and traumatic loss. And, you know, a lot of people felt that they were going crazy and that there was something wrong with them for the way that they were grieving. And it's really helpful to talk to someone or to even read something that will that will normalize your your grief reactions because you you will often have crazy uh, feelings and reactions to to you know events that you know have been really horrific and that's actually normal and so those kind of things are really helpful so please don't carry those around by yourself, please share them, share them with someone, and, and I'm happy to speak with anyone. So again, this is Jill Garvin with the 102nd. You can contact me in the global. You can also uh, call my cell, which is 508-237-6652. And again, we've been speaking with um, Don Kochka. I really appreciate you being here today, Don. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Thanks for allowing me the opportunity. Thank you.